We've got some fresh new young talent doing some things that I know you haven't heard before. One, two, three, listen. You gotta have a like the why, and we know our why. So you don't need to reinvent the wheel. Yeah. Millions and millions of people have done this already. You can get help, you can get a roadmap, you can save a lot of time, money, and frustration. Welcome to the Value Add Podcast with K&K. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Value Add with K&K. Today, we have David Meltzer on the show. Crystal, tell us about Mr. Meltzer. All right, I'm going to tell you a little bit about him. He has quite an impressive bio. He is the co-founder of Sports One Marketing, and he formerly served as the CEO of the renowned Lee Steinberg Sports and Entertainment Agency, which was the inspiration for the movie, Jerry Maguire. I Show me the money, baby. Show me yeah, the money. We've all seen it. Show me the quan. Wasn't, isn't that what he said? Show me the money. No, Jerry said that, but the, the other guy, Cuba Gooding Jr. I don't know. Okay, anyways, so David's lifelong mission is to make a billion one people billion. happy. Over one billion people happy. So uh, the simple yet powerful mission has led him to an incredible journey to provide one thing. That's value. In all of his content, communication, that's exactly what you'll get. As part of that mission for the past 20 years, he's been providing free weekly trainings to empower others to empower oh. others to be happy. So um, he's a three-time international best-selling author. He's a top 100 business coach. He's the executive producer of the Entrepreneur's number one digital business show, Elevator Pitch, and host of the top entrepreneur podcast, The Playbook. His newest book, Game Time Decision Making, was a number one new release. And David has been recognized by Variety Magazine as their Sports Human Humanitarian of the Year, awarded the Ellis Island Medal of Honor, and most recently at the Super Bowl, David was honored as the most valuable philanthropist. Yeah, in this interview, it's really cool. Um, I'm not going to give any spoilers away, but David has nuggets, and I would say Crystal and I took a couple nuggets away, which I'm already getting lectured about daily. Thanks, David, because... Of a couple of things he said, and I'm not going to say, but one is with his wife, um, in a way, you, how you look at your wife. And so ever since you said that, I'm constantly getting jabbed about making sure, well, you said you like that about David, so why aren't we doing that? What would David do? So, you know, this is a super cool interview. There's a lot of nuggets. Get out your, literally get out a pen and a paper. Um, because There's a lot of really good you, life, yeah, life, life principles. Yeah, and he's so. a great coach. Yeah. And right before us, he was doing a coach a coaching call with a billionaire. So that's the kind of clients that David does work with. So yes. without further ado, let's jump in with David Meltzer. I think one of the biggest reasons we wanted to chat with you is because you have such a great perspective on life. <laughs> um, after our last call, I was just like I fired paid up. for it, like, trust on. me. Yes, yes. So anyways, one of the, the things I was, we were kind of like laughing about this morning was your post about how 2020 was supposed to look versus what it actually looks like today. <laughs> so given that we've been in this situation for about three months now, how would you say that your perspective has shifted when it comes to business and also in your personal life? Well, I think business has more solidified the practice that I started in 2006, two years before I lost everything. Uh, it's really given me clarity on a step-by-step -step pragmatic way. I'm a huge Think and Grow Rich fan. So I look to help people by taking highly complex ideas and perspectives and putting them down into a normal, this is what you do, one, two, three, a simple recipe, uh, as you say, so that here, step one, take inventory of your values. 
Two, have radical humility and ask people how you can be of value or service and ask for help. Three, be a student in your calendar. Four, do it now. And five, practice ending fear. And those are the five things that I have gained great depth uh, in awareness. And I really believe, especially in the last 14 years of my life, about learning lessons and the analogy of an onion. As you learn more lessons, more layers of the onion, the interesting thing that I've learned is no matter how many lessons I learn, I always forget them. And so having a repository <laughs> of lessons. And I also, uh, the increased knowledge or awareness or actualization of my power to access lessons, ones that I've learned in the past, uh, also lessons I haven't learned. And, you know, that leads me to the personal side of things. We think more the experience that I've had over the last 10 weeks have been uh, the reminder or the awareness of lessons I've learned in the past that through the day-to-day -day practice, through putting my heads down in the weeds and being productive and accessible and gracious, being efficient, effective, and statistically successful, all the 520 rules and 120 rules and all the different things that I've been teaching and preaching for three years, I have lost sight of some of the greatest lessons in my life, like family dinners, uh, the importance. Uh, I, I, I was proud of myself. I had a good guide on the importance of health. Uh, so ironically, you know, a lot of people are like finding themselves what importance. Uh, two and a half years ago, I, I, I kind of prioritized an hour a day minimum on my health. But the family time, I've been lying to myself once again. I'm a huge hypocrite. I travel 200 days a year since I've been 24 years old, always saying that, you know, 20 minutes a day is worth more than two hours on a Saturday. Uh, that may be true, uh, but two hours a day is, you know, worth a lot of time. I, I'm not good at math, so <laughs> whatever is worth on a Saturday, it's blowing up because I have spent time with my family, my whole family. My kids hate it, but I'm blessed that the three girls are home all the time. They don't can't see their friends. Uh, and I don't care if they're bitter. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna rejoice. I don't care. They can, you know, they they're all bummed out. They're like, what if we don't go back to college? I'm like, oh, that would suck for you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, you're you uh you did a quick interview with um our boy Laird Hamilton. Awesome dude. Um, and a couple of things you touched point on on you're just talking about. A couple of things I want to talk about is number one is it seems like the clarity in your life is we all get to step back and, and, you know, now we get to like evaluate like what's really important. And it seems like with what you just said, it was family. So would you say your number one thing right now, being able to step back, not travel 200 days out of the year and have clarity, what is that for you right now? Yeah. You know, uh, jobs talks about zooming in and zooming out. So this is a zoom out period. Um, you know, it's interesting because there's so much waste, uh, I'm a king of efficiency. I love time. I love to teach time. And it was so exciting to see like as much as you think you can't, you know, squeeze another drop out of the lemon of time and efficiency. There's four minutes everywhere that I'm saving. And there's so many millions of dollars of, you know, my ego getting in my way of having to take everybody to dinners and drinks and entertain people and travel with huge posses and cameras. And you know what, you know, these are, I'm sitting here on my laptop in my closet getting really high quality content with people like you and I'm just much more accessible, productive, and also gracious. I mean, I have, my heart is full of light and love and lessons because I have and get to interact with so many more interesting people like you 
Um, and the nice thing is like when we make mistakes and have to redo interviews, I don't have to fly over or drive. You know, I joke around. I would rather fly to New York than drive to LA from Orange County. <laughs> <laughs> it's true though, right? And I got a driver in a car, right? I'm like, and I still would rather fly. <laughs> yeah. And then the other thing you talked about him was um, ending fear, which obviously Laird is like the perfect guy to do that, right? I mean, there is nobody. So I kind of want you to touch base on like, where obviously everybody's just like, it's either they're like seeing the positive or they're just the negative and the fear and everything. Yeah, so I've been on a practice of ending fear. And it is a practice because every single day I sink into ego-based emotion. Uh, and I always say, you know, some of the, like the need to be right it would stick with me or need to be offended, especially for years. It would take me years to get over something, right? Like, and I think maybe some people out there can resonate with family relationships that, you know, I stayed offended by my father for years and it cost me so much time, so much love, light and lessons and resources. And it's probably my biggest regret when my dad passed a couple uh, years ago was, wow, I let my ego waste all of that right? In fact, one of the greatest lessons I've ever learned is from my father, who I wasn't ready to receive because I had a need to be offended. And so as I have learned that practice, it's not a matter of ever ending fear. It's how much time does it take me to realize I'm moving at an accelerated pace in the wrong direction, that I'm creating interferences, voids, and shortages between me and the incredible source of light, love, and lessons that I'm connected to. And if I'm creating that corrosion, then I'm also creating corrosion to all those people that are connected to me that could be receiving the light, the love, and the lessons through me with appreciation to them. And so as I have gathered like the need to be offended usually last minutes now, uh, but it still presents itself every day. Every day I have a need to be offended or a need to be right, need to be superior or inferior or separate uh, or angry or frustrated or anxious or worrying or guilty. Like every day, I, 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 you know, probably I'm 10 interviews a day now because of Zoom and the efficiencies of digital technology. Every day, I can't believe I could get off, I could get off this interview with you two, have a totally high frequency conversation, elevate my vibration, share appreciation with each other, feel totally hyped. And then within minutes, you know, somebody in my home could say something or while I'm in the interview, you know, one of my teenage daughters could walk by stomping and yelling after I've told him 50 times not to, and I would have a need to be offended. Right. While I'm in the middle of my interview telling people don't be offended. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. So that's why it's a practice and I'm getting better at it. I get back to center much quickly. I don't have that interference and corrosion. I don't waste time, money, resources. And I'll use an example. Pick one of the needs that's for you, right? Like worrying is a common one or the need to be right. And think back your entire life, how much time, money, resources, and emotion that you wasted. And imagine if you could apply that to your greatest competency, your greatest quantum being, your, your capability. Imagine if you take all of that bundled up and put it to what you're best at what you would have in your life. That's a big one. I feel like um, worry is one of those things that you realize after the fact that everything was going to work itself out the way it was going to anyway. And <laughs> we still why. spend all that time as much as you say, don't worry about it. Yeah. And I stopped telling people not to worry about it. What I did and it helped. I was on an executive business call this morning and you know, I do some billionaire people and they have the same problems billionaires as broke people. Um, they're, because they put their votes in the wrong place. And he was worried. 
right? And he, he kept on, he's like, can I trust this person? Did it, and I said, whoa, 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 whoa. Why don't you put your energy and focus and time on what you do want out of her? It's the same as in a marriage, right? It changed my marriage completely. When I started looking at all the things I wanted from my wife instead of what I didn't want, like if I wanted her to, to be appreciative and to be patient and you know all the things, that's who I'd get, right? The wife when I came home going, oh my gosh, you're working so hard. Thank you so much for staying late for us because that's what I wanted from her. But when I'm like, oh, I'm in trouble, you know, I got to nag as a wife. Then the minute I got home, it's like, where have you been, right? I, it's amazing how it works. So it's so important to focus in on what we want in people to find the superpowers in us because it's so easy to find the super shit in us instead. And you're going to get super shit instead of superpower. I love that. Yeah, I agree. What, what's your, like today in life right now, what's your biggest challenge you're dealing with? Always ego. Like I, I'm so old and, and on this journey that I relate everything back to, okay, I'm in the wrong mindset. I am in an accelerating in the wrong direction. And where's the need? And I'll ask myself when I don't, my thermostat went from being my bank account into being the way I feel. So I'm very conditioned that if I don't feel good, then I ask myself why. And I go into an introspective exploration of, okay, where's the need of the ego? How can I in, enhance my practice and learn more about myself? Why do, why do I have such a need to be resentful or offended or right? What, what is it about me? Is it you know, inherited from, you know, is it deep in my DNA? Do I just keep on having to fight this thing? Or is it because you know, something happened when I was a kid that my dad left and I don't feel worthy? Like all these things are where I do my work and it really helps out in the long run. Yeah, that's pretty huge. I was um, a deep side there, brother. No, I like I it. I, I, I it's, it's, it's awesome. I like the one about marriage, though. The you know what you want out of it. That's huge. That's a really, I really, I'm gonna. It's take the that only one. TikTok video I have that was successful is I literally said, if you want your wife, if you focus on your wife being a nag, she'll be a, a nag. If you focus her on being a princess, she'll be a princess. And it has like a million views. That's All awesome. the other stuff, nobody watches. I wonder, I wonder how many of those likes came from females. <laughs> That's awesome. So I want to read three words to you. Um, healthy, happy, and profitability. What does those mean? What does those mean to you? Well, the most important one is health. Uh, and that's changed in my own human dynamic, that health itself allows the other two uh, to come about. Uh, happiness is next. So if you're healthy, then you have the capability of being happy. And happy is the enjoyment, right? The power to take the perspective, the enjoyment of the consistent every day, persistent without quit, pursuit of your own potential. Not what other people want from you, not what any of the ego tells you you need, but simply to enjoy the things that you in your own mind probably don't think you could enjoy, the consistent, persistent pursuit of your best, your best self, whatever that may be. Uh, and then the last one was happiness, health, and profitability. So profitability, once again, is a subset of, of happy, which is a subset of health. So profitability to me is the second currency. Happiness is the first currency. It involves faith. Um, and just like uh, happiness and faith, the quantum ability of money, profitability is so important because we live at this vibration. And believe it or not, if you have green card money, gold card money, platinum card money, or black card money, you can shop for more and more and more. And the more money you have, the more you can receive. 
The more you receive, the more you can give. This shift in the paradigm. I lived my whole life as a benevolent person. My, na my name means beloved. My last name means giver, servant, waiter. And so I geared myself to the more that I give, the more I'll receive. And then I realized that was a trading energy. That was a universe of just enough. But when you shift the paradigm and say profitability is that the more I receive, then the more I can give. And there's a lot less interference in it. And so profitability, money is a currency. It's an object of energy we put into the flow to get what you want. What you want is so important because you need to take inventory of your values to know the what, personal experiential giving and receiving. When we determine what we want and we purchase what we want and we purchase things, not because it's things we don't need, but because they're aligned with our values and we don't buy them to impress people we don't like, right? Because they're aligned with our values. Money buys happiness if you shop for the right things, the things that are aligned with your values, personal experiential giving and receiving. And if we can learn from it, if you buy things to impress other people you don't like, or you buy things you don't need or aren't aligned with your values, it's going to make you very unhappy. And that's my real life lesson that I've learned from the entire experience of making money, living by that motto of money buys happiness, giving to receive instead of receiving to give. Now money buys what I want. If I buy the right things, I'll be happy. If I don't, I'll be unhappy. Very yeah, that's. Yeah. I haven't heard that take on on money before, so I, I really I like it. Yeah, I paid a lot of dummy tax for that take. <laughs> <laughs> it's an expensive lesson. Let me just tell you. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure you've had a lot of trial and error. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I will say this because a lot of people don't ask, but I love to you know illuminate and tell the truth. I'm one of the few people. You know, I lost a ton of money. Yeah. But I will tell you this. I had an extraordinary time with it. Now, it wasn't the most productive, accessible, and gracious time. I did some really like funky, probably bad things. Um, but man, what an experience and ride. And I don't have any resentment or regret. I, you know, it wasn't worth it. I would love to be having all that back and build community centers. But it certainly was a good time. Destructive, but good time. <laughs> well, it's part of who you are, so yeah, it is. Yeah, you know that's why who you are today. Yeah, yeah. Um, you you obviously like you said you're doing like ten Zoom calls. You're always, I mean, just if you follow, you're always talking to people, which is really cool. And I love talking to people that talk to a lot of people because your perspective is completely different. What are you, in today's world right now? What are what are like what are what's the common question you're getting asked, or what's the big fear or topic that everybody wants to talk about with you? Getting stuck, fear profitability, um, and they all lend right to capabilities. I think people try always to look outside of themselves to find the answer. This is how simple this all is, whether it's fear, stuck, anxiety, uh, starting over, scaling, all, all the general things that would occur in a compressed time of uncertainty or acceleration and change. Just look within yourself at your own capabilities. Your capabilities are an aggregate of your skills, your knowledge, and your desire. Those are the three things that integrate in order to effectuate a capability. A capability can be monetized in two ways, one in a currency of money and the other in the currency of faith. Both allow you to accelerate, expand, and really experience happiness and health. So what do we do? We look how are our capabilities synergistic to or supplementary to the things that we want. And then we look externally 
to experts that have the things that we want or situational knowledge of how to get them or other expert industry career indicators, KPIs, like the stock market, for example. If your values are aligned that you're looking for high growth and right now you want money right now, then look at the 50 stocks that are doing the best right now and see how your capabilities, your skills, knowledge, and desire are synergistic or supplementary to the industries, careers, or companies that are in there or find the experts that work there. If you're looking for stability from your values, then go find the 50 most stable stocks over the last six months. Once there are stocks that haven't moved a penny, they've stayed the same. Then go see what capabilities you have that are synergistic or supplementary or find an expert in there. If your values are one of opportunistic, right? You're looking for a huge opportunity where people have oversold on emotion Then go and look at what stocks have been crushed that you feel will swing the pendulum back the other way on emotion as well and find how your capabilities are synergistic or supplementary to that. That answer applies to almost every question that is most prevalent today about fear, scaling, growing, starting over, re-engineering, worry, all of those things are Look within, you have the power, control of your mindset, your feelings, what you think, say, do, and believe are all under your control. Aggregate them into your capabilities or skills, knowledge, and desire. Make them supplementary or synergistic to what you want. Boom, you'll get there. So I, I, love, I love hearing you talk about all this and it always sounds easy. So you, we get off the call with you and you're like, great, I'm gonna go you know, think about my capabilities <laughs> and I'm gonna you know, it just never quite happens that way. I feel like people get confused and then when they're confused, they just end up doing nothing. So you're a top 100 business coach. Why do you think it's so important to have a business coach? Yeah. Oh, I think for me, I have three coaches minimum at all times, people that sit in the situation. It's why YouTube is so popular, right? Because it's so much easier to ask someone, hey, what am I supposed to do than to do it yourself and learn how to do it? So I find people that are really good at what I wanted, whether it's the relationship to money, whether it's how to fix a dishwasher, whether it's how to sleep, whatever <laughs> I want that's important to me, I'm going to go find the expert or mentor. And, you know, my strategy, because you talk about how overwhelming and apathetic things are, you know, one of the things that I've been talking about since last time is a, another way to put things so people get it. Think about things is the first 10 minutes are always the hardest first 10 minutes, after 10 minutes, everything kicks in. Biochemistry kicks in, the mental perspective. But the first 10 minutes suck. Even for a guy like me that has a quantum happiness genes and I, I'm the person you hate to sleep with because I wake up at four, wide awake, ready to go for the day. I'm like, let's go. You know, everybody hates me. But the first 10 minutes are hard. If I go running, the first 10 minutes are hard. When I'm, we're, everything's hard the first 10 minutes. So what we need to do as coaches beyond mentees is make sure that the people we're teaching know that, hey, the first 10 minutes are gonna be hard. Let's lower the bar. What I'm most concerned about is can we get a consistent behavior? I'm someone that took nine months to say thank you before I went to bed and when I woke up. It took me nine months to do that 30 straight days. I forgot. It took me three and a half years to read The Course in Miracles and not miss a day. And it's probably the most important significant text that I've learned from about awareness and forgiveness and peace and joy and happiness. So, you know, just you have to realize things take time. This is the idea of incremental growth segmentation. I've been using analogy of, imagine you're your own kid, right? Or you have a niece or nephew or a kid, anybody. You can't see them growing until you go buy them tennis shoes. And you're like, whoa, 
how'd you grow that fast? Meanwhile, you haven't <laughs> right. seen them grow. Or when you're a kid, you don't see yourself growing. And all of a sudden, it seems like you wake up and you're busting out of your clothes. Same thing with your weight as you get old, right? It's like, you don't see you getting fat. And then all of a sudden, you go back to that pair of pants or worse, the tuxedo. And you're like, are you kidding? Like, <laughs> How did that happen? I think we're used to as humans, like wanting that instant gratification. It's really tough to, to know that there's a journey and you'll eventually get there. Yeah. And our senses are stupid, right? Our way we see, hear, smell, touch, and feel, the, our memories are even dumber. So we can't pick up incremental growth, but incremental growth, when it's put into the exponentiality and acceleration, you take the smallest measurement you want and you times it by itself, right? 20 times. I don't care how small you start, take a penny, keep doubling it 20 times, you're rich. So if you can put yourself into the perspective of segmentation and detach yourself from the ability to be aware of how your growth is, and you're just doing the things that you know create growth and acceleration, you'll get there and you'll just be really happy enjoying the pursuit of that. Yeah, I'm just, yeah, so many nuggets. Um, so we're gonna go back 10, 12 years, 2009. We're in a similar kind of situation, but it's just different, but you know, economically, um, you had a ton of real estate and then everything kind of imploded. And now you're back into a place where there's probably people that are in the same boat that might've made the same mistake. What's, what's the biggest takeaway from now you look back, you know, 10, 12 years ago, sitting here today. Yeah. Pain, pain is a, is a, literally an indicator. It, it's literally to me, all it is is a turn signal. Uh, pain is an indicator, uh, mental, physical, emotional, spiritual, or financial pain. And I think everyone right now is experiencing some of that. Whatever it is, when you're getting an indicator through pain that you have financial, you know, spiritual, all it's telling you is, hey, you need to learn a lesson to change direction to go in the right way. Just the way when you turn your blinker on, it's telling you, hey, you got to go right to get where you want to go or to a better place. I'm always living under the assumption that things are pushing me to something better or bettering my situation. So for me, way back then, I shifted that paradigm of pain and said, no more. There are no setbacks in my life. There are only setups. This is an indicator. My blinker's on right now. I'm super excited because thank goodness I have some GPS Something's internal within me, pushing me in the right direction. I have the first auto, you know, the autonomous Dave Meltzer compared to the one that I used to control. I'm going on the autonomous Tesla Dave Meltzer. The <laughs> indicator comes on. I put faith into the, into the pain. Oh, things are going to be better. This is just an indicator. Instead of trying to push my way through it, go under it, around it, I just allow faith to guide me and still you know, I'm very Goya, right? I get off my ass. I don't sit around high on my mom's couch waiting for shit to happen. I'm a ferocious Buddha. When I get the turn signal on, I go 100% in the direction with faith and, I, and I'm going to make it happen. That's awesome. Very That's good. It. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to talk about, I know I, I was watching, I watched a couple of interviews, but you're talking about a lot of people, they were smart and probably one of the lessons learned you probably have, and I know you do have cash sitting on the sidelines. And so this time. everybody's, everybody's talking about like, there's people, that's why they say the rich get richer because they're always prepared to have cash for opportunities, stock market, real estate. So my question to you is, I was listening to Ryan Surhan, you on that with a little bit of sales. That was cool, by the way. Um, 
you were saying about buying real estate. So like my shirt here, generational wealth, we believe in creating, you know, wealth through gener through real estate through multifamily. Do you think you're going to deploy some of that into real estate or where are you seeing opportunities for yourself? Oh, 100%. 100%. I, look, this country was built, the laws were built to protect the landowner. It's, you know, I have the most experience in real estate. I have the most mentorship in real estate. It's straight math in real estate. Things get oversold. And all you have to do is find experts like you and multifamily that are in a specific region and say, hey, bro, let me know when these things are oversold and I'll buy. And then can you give me a call when you think they're overbought again? There's one word I want everyone to think about. And it's one I didn't understand when I was young, especially I grew up Jewish as a religion. My family's very Jewish. I'm more spiritual now. I'm not a dogmatic Jew. But <laughs> they, they talked about remember, right? All the time. And the, all the service, other shit I had to go to was like, remember we left Egypt, you know, remember this. I'm like, why do I got to remember this stuff? Who's going to forget it? What I learned is people don't remember. And that's the biggest and best part about real estate is people don't remember. So like, I literally see the perfect trifecta of real estate. We're going to get a dip. The interest rates are low, right? And li literally there's going to be some really good bargains and multifamily for me, I, I have an 18 year old and a 21 year old who have been saving their money, who can get first time buyer loans. And to think about, they can get a half price property, create income because they're in the position where all their friends are gonna rent, get the experience of learning how to manage a property, lock themselves in at a low interest rate for themselves, either free rent or low rent for the rest of their life, and then be able to learn how to parlay that the next time people forget. And they'll be able to remember and say, wow, we, I bought this 350 or $600,000 property with three and a half percent down. That's now double the value. And I almost own it cash and it's an income generating property. I can either go buy something now for half as much again, right? Or I sold this at top of the market, did something with my money and waited till again. Now I own five of those things, you know, this is not rocket science. You don't got to go to law school, business school. I love real estate. You know, for me, it's, it's a, a thing that you can literally change your generational wealth. And if you understand literally mentorship and remembering. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Um, one last question for you is we're talking today and obviously this world completely changed overnight. And a lot of people have been watching people like you and even, you know, the Gary V's of the world. And why do I need to be online? Why do I need to build a brand? And I want to ask you right today is why is it so important for somebody that has a business or just an entrepreneur, anybody to build a brand and you know, like invest in themselves? Size of the neighborhood. So look, all we've done is accelerated the last decade or two into a compressed 10 weeks. Use the word e-commerce means electronic commerce. Whether you're in real estate, education, institutions like financial institutions, government travel. If you don't realize that we've accelerated how e-commerce, electronic commerce is going to be integrated into human resources, into working at home and all of these different areas, it has excelled. It was going to happen, right? The efficiencies, effectiveness and statistical success of e-commerce was going to happen. We just don't like change, right? Only a wet baby likes change. Well, we were forced, <laughs> we were forced to change in the last 10 weeks. So look and see how e-commerce is going to affect what your capabilities and businesses, your industry career, you know, these things are. And so for me, it's very important uh, 
to, to look at that e-commerce side of things and to go ahead and embrace it. Uh, and part of that is your neighborhood. There's 4.4 billion people and growing every day. No matter what you are, the Dave Meltzer product, right? When I was young and speaking, I would be thrilled to get in front of 100 people. I think 30 million people or more viewed me last week. Wow. 30 million people or more viewed me. Right, that's awesome. There's about, you know, I'm going to estimate maybe 350,000 ambassadors. Those are people that would be, I would hope like you, that would say, hey, have you ever heard of Dave Meltzer? Check this out. Right, I like this. That, that's more people than I ever imagined being in front of in a lifetime, let alone to be ambassadors of mine. So if you are selling, you know, your barbecue in San Diego, Springfield, and you can now reach all of San Diego, the 3 million people instead of the 300,000, because you understand your brand and you can advertise cheaper than all the other ways you used to do it traditionally. And you don't need as many employees to get to all 3 million people that you did when they sat in your restaurant. Uh, it's a whole nother ball game. I don't care who you are. You go ahead, reach out to me. I'll tell you how your brand strength, spectrum, and frequency, meaning clarity, is so important today. It will never be easier to reach more people than it is today. Yeah, could, could not agree more. So to wrap this up, thanks again for your time. You do free trainings every Friday. And then I wanted to talk about that a little bit. Also is, I know you have books and then you do coaching. Can you kind of talk about some of the stuff you do to help people? And I love that the free coaching is awesome. Yeah, for 20 years, I've been coaching for free. I've really nailed it down. It's every Friday, 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. The replays are getting thousands of people as well. On my podcast, it's the Monday podcast. My most downloaded podcast, even more than the Hall of Famers, executives, Deepak Chopra. Like, I can't believe more people want to watch or listen to that training but it's all about empowering people to empower other people to be happy pragmatically though, right? I, I, it's some theoretical, but stuff like this, one, two, three, it's recorded. Um, I give all my books for free. I give exercises and guidebooks as well. Uh, for those people that want more intimate, um, I am starting a new private group training that's very inexpensive. It's just a token payment so people show up. And then I've always done, I've always carried 50 executive clients, month to month, guaranteed profit. So they, they do change out. I probably have 20 clients for the last five years that haven't changed, but I have a rotating 30 spots where people need me for one month, three months, nine months, but it's just month to month. I guarantee profitability ranges from uh, one of the richest men in the world is my client all the way down to an entrepreneur starting a business. Uh, but just reach out to me. I have a text number, 949 298 2905. You text me directly. My website's my first initial last name, dmeltzer.com. And I give my email to everyone. I do answer. I was answering them. That's why I was late for uh, this uh, interview because I went one minute over answering emails. It's david at dmeltzer.com. I am here to be of service. My name actually means beloved servant. And you guys are terrific. And I so much appreciate you allowing me to come back on. Thank you so thank, much. Thank you, David. I appreciate yes. it. Have a great day. Thanks for the time. Love you guys. Thank okay. you. Bye. Bye-bye. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.